All right. Well, welcome, everybody. It's great to have you here with us today. And a big welcome to our Central family locations that are joining us this weekend. Big shout out to Central Summerlin and Central Sunrise Mountain, to Central Southern Highlands and Central Kingman. We love you guys. We're grateful for you. If you're watching online, thank you for joining us. And uh, as always, a big welcome to those who are joining us in our partnership with God Behind Bars and different prison facilities around the country. Thank you guys for being with us this weekend. Well, it's good to have you here. We are continuing in this teaching series called Back in Black, How to Rock Your Financial World. And we've been learning some great principles from the Bible to help us get some margin and help us get some freedom in our financial life. And I think when it comes to finances, um, it's a lot like cookies. How many of you love cookies? I love cookies, and I don't know if you've noticed this, but right now, this time of year, there's a certain kind of cookie floating around out there. You know what I'm talking about? That's Girl Scout cookies. How many, how many people love Girl Scout cookies? Okay. You see them out on the street, you're like chasing them down. Hey, 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 are you selling those Girl Scout cookies? So I did a little research on what are the top most favorite Girl Scout cookies, all right? Here's, here's the top three, okay, the top three. Uh, number three are these guys right here. These are called Tagalongs. These are uh, Tagalongs, little peanut butter with chocolate on the outside. Come on, anybody hungry? You get hungry? Hungry, yeah, yeah. Don't even think about it. I gotta do, I gotta do more services, I'm sorry, man. That's number three, all right, number three. Uh, now, the number two cookie are these guys right here. They're called uh, Samoas. Yeah. Sweet, yeah, chewy, little coconut finish there. Come on, that's all right. Well, we can live with that, we can live with that. But what do you think the most popular Girl Scout cookie is? That's right, you know it. These don't last long around my house. The Thin Mints. Which seriously, that's gotta be the greatest name ever invented for a cookie, right? Like, I wanna be skinny, I wanna be thin, I'm gonna have some thin mints. Uh, yeah, probably not gonna work. But, but man, we love that. And if you really wanna take your thin mints to the next level, store them in the freezer. Come on, somebody, store them in the freezer right there. I saw somebody go, yeah. I knew I liked that pastor. Here's the thing about Girl Scout cookies, though. Do you know that the recommended serving size for Girl Scout cookies for like Thin Mints is four cookies? That's it? I mean, that's like pregame, man. That's like warming up. We haven't even started the party yet at four cookies, right? The problem with cookies is if you like them, you always want one more right? And one more, and one more. And that's kind of the problem with everything, especially money in our lives. I remember walking out of a restaurant more than once and feeling absolutely sick because I just defiled myself on the nachos that were available at the table or the burger. Anybody feel me here? And you walk out and you're like, oh man, I'm never going to eat that much again in my life. Never, man. I can't eat again for days. And then the next morning you wake up and you think, pancakes sound pretty good right now. You know, like, it's always one more. It's the story of life. I remember when I got my first paycheck with a comma in it. A comma. And I remember looking at that paycheck and being like, I'm never going to need more money in my entire life. I mean, this is amazing, right? And that lasted about three weeks, you know, till the next paycheck came and you're like, man, I need a little bit more. I mean, and then we go on in life and our quality of life um, continues to, we try to improve it with, with uh, our standard of living, raising, as Pastor Sean talked about so well last week, and we get ourselves in more and more debt, and we get ourselves kind of over our head, and pretty soon we have the pressure of living in the red. When you're in the red, you're spending more than you're bringing in. When you're in the red, 
overfed, you know, things are overspent and overstressed, and you feel that pressure. So what does it mean to get back in the black? What does it mean to get some margin in our life? What are some biblical principles that can help us? I wanna talk today about one of the most important ideas when it comes to our mindset and how we get back in black. And that's this idea of contentment and how it plays out in our lives. Listen, in our culture today, we are challenged everywhere we go to believe this idea that contentment is just a purchase away. Right, just one more and I'll be content. Just one more, and then I'll be happy. And I wanna suggest today that contentment doesn't come from purchases, it comes from practices. The practice of gratitude, the practice of um, a game plan for your financial life, the practice of generosity in your financial life, that those are the things that actually help us discover more and more contentment. So let's look at what the Bible says, 1 Timothy chapter six, beginning in verse six. We'll bring this up on the screen when we get to the um, red word, I'm gonna ask you to read that out loud here with me. But here's what the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Timothy 6. He says, yet true godliness with what? Contentment is itself great wealth. Listen, if, if you want to leave service today wealthier, it's possible. You don't even have to get an increase in your income. All you have to do is get a different mindset that realizes godliness, meaning living your life after God, following God, growing in your obedience, growing in your holiness, growing in your dedication to him. Godliness mixed with contentment, that is itself great wealth. Now look at what Paul says. He says, uh, after all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. It's so basic, it's so simple, right? But we forget, we get so caught up in all the things. I gotta have the next thing, I gotta buy the next thing. You know, you got things saved, and I do too, in my Amazon cart, you know, I have the things that are in it, but then I have the things that are saved in it for the next pay period, anybody know what I'm talking about? And so, like, you move it, you move it over there, like, you gotta have these things, right? This is just how we're wired, but the truth is, all this stuff we spend so much time stressing about and worrying about and thinking about and fretting about, can't take it with us. It's the old adage, you know, you've never seen a hearse with a U-Haul behind it. You cannot take it with you. So what does Paul say? So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. Let's be content. Here's what's interesting about contentment. At a certain level, money can help you experience contentment. Studies have shown that you need your basic needs covered. Food, shelter, clothing, there are very basic things. And having the money to get those basic things, very important, right? But what's interesting is, after those basic needs are covered, we keep spending more and more and more and more money, and that's fine if you have it, but many of us don't have it, we're borrowing it, right? And we spend more and more money chasing after something that there isn't a direct connection with anymore. In fact, the more you spend after your basic needs were met, there's very little direct connection between your level of joy and contentment and happiness. And so we're chasing something, another purchase, won't give us in our lives. Enough isn't just an amount. Enough is a mindset. 
And I think Paul says when you realize that and you grow your godliness along with your contentment, you have the frame of mind to move into the black financially and stay in the black. I think there's some myths that we believe in our culture. I get challenged with them, I think we all do, and it leads us into a place where we end up in the red and hurting financially. And I wanna talk to you about some of those myths and suggest some practices to push against them. The first myth is this, I just need a little more. I just need a little more. And this is the myth that you and I tend to believe no matter what we make, no matter where we're at financially, I just need a little more. If I just had a little more, right? You know, like, who's more content? The person with seven kids <laughs> or the person with $7 million? The answer is the person with seven kids because they don't want any more. They have reached the definition of contentment, right? They're good, all good. Guy with seven millions just thinking about the eighth. And so when it comes to contentment, it can be tricky. Listen, I believe God wants to bless you. I believe he wants to pour more into your life, more financial resources, more provision. I believe he wants to give you a larger influence, a larger impact with your gifts and your talents and your abilities. But I don't believe any of that more that we're praying for is gonna fix stuff in our heart and in our life if we don't learn to be thankful for what we already have. First, we gotta be grounded in where we're at and ready for God to bless us with the more. It's, something, it's just easy to believe, man, I just need a little more, and then everything will, it'll all work out, then it'll all come together. In fact, I've got a, a box up here um, that just says blessing on it. This is my blessing box. Uh, you would have your own blessing box. It's just filled with things in my life that I'm thankful for, things that are blessings to me, and I think you'll relate to uh, many of these, like, uh, for instance, I've got uh, our family Christmas picture in my blessing box. Grateful for my family, grateful for the love. I mean, you know, I look at my family and think, I don't, I don't deserve any of these people. <laughs> God's been very good to me. I'm thankful, grateful for the family. I've got my Bible. I'm thankful for my relationship with God. I'm grateful for that spiritual. And what an awesome gift it is, friends, every day that we get to worship God and serve him and grow in our relationship with him, that we get to come to church and sing and worship, that we get to watch online. I mean, what a blessing that we get to relate to the God of the universe at any level. What a blessing that we get to grow in our faith. It's an amazing thought, right? What a blessing. Uh, I've got some other things that, that mean a lot uh, to me in here. I'm grateful for uh, the work I get to do as a pastor. I'm thankful to serve the central family. I got my, my central gear. My whole closet's filled with central gear. Um, I've got uh, some things that God's provided for us in our life. I'm, I'm grateful for my car, thankful I can get from here to there, grateful for that. I'm grateful for uh, my home. I got my garage door opener here. This really is my garage door opener, so don't steal it. Um, you know, like, I got my clicker. I'm thankful for what God's provided for us in our home. Uh, my hobby is music, and my, I have a real love and passion for music, so I'm grateful for music. So I brought a little Miles Davis, kind of blue, because I not only am grateful for music, I got taste, people. Um, I'm thankful for the blessings God has given me in my life, and if you think about your own life, we all have one of these boxes, don't we? You have yours, I have mine. Your box, your blessing box, 
Your blessing box your, will have your family in it, your, your job, your stuff that God's provided for you, your friendships, your hobbies, the things you love. You have a blessing box, I have a blessing box. Now listen, it's about to get good up in here. I am happy and satisfied and content as long as I focus on my blessing box and what God has given me and I am thankful for all that he has given me and I look to him. That's when I'm happy, I'm doing good. You know, I'm singing because I'm happy, right? I'm thankful for what God has given me and I'm focused on the blessings he's given me. And when God blesses other people, I look at what he's blessed them with and I celebrate them. Good for you. I got my blessing box, you got yours. Yours is bigger than mine, but I'm not comparing your box to mine. I'm grateful for my box. This is what God has given me. I don't need a little bit more to be happy. I need God working and moving in my life to find contentment and joy. I need help from him. I need his sustenance and power. I need love, joy, peace, power, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. You can't buy that stuff, right? That's a gift from God. That's the stuff I need in my life. And when I focus on my blessing box and give thanks to God, man, I'm in a great place. The challenge is I'm tempted just like everybody to not focus on the blessings God's given me, but to focus on the blessings God's given everybody else. Come on, somebody. I open up social media just like all of us do, and you're like, oh, look at that person. Oh, look, where are they on a vacation? Oh, look where they're on a vacation. Oh, that, oh, Hawaii. That must be nice. Like, sort of. <laughs> Man, look at that beautiful family. Look at that, you know, like, wow, I wish, you know, I wish I had his physique. I wish I looked like her. Her skin is perfect. I'm not liking that picture. Maybe you're trying to start a family and every time you feel like you open up social media, it's like everybody's having kids and more kids and more kids and more kids and it's just killing you, right? Because you're like, oh man, you know, why do they get kids and we don't have kids yet? Why, why is this happening in my life, right? Maybe all you want is, you know, to get to a place where you have a car and a vehicle that gets from point A to point B and you open up social media and there's so-and-so and hey, there's my brand new car. Hmm. Here's what I've learned in my own life. The more I compare, the more I despair. The more you compare, the more you despair. The more I look to God and give thanks for what he's given me and grow and lean into the lessons he's teaching me, the more I find contentment and joy. Listen, I'm tempted like everybody else to think that happiness is about getting what I want. Happiness is not about getting what I want. It's about wanting what I already have. And that's contentment. That's where you learn contentment, the lesson of contentment. Now here's the challenge with, with uh, comparing with other people. We often see somebody else's blessing, but we don't see their burden. Have you ever thought about this? Every blessing comes with a burden, every blessing. It all comes with a burden. Like, like it's a blessing to have family if you have a family, but they also come with the burden of having a family, right? It's a blessing to have kids if you have kids, but that comes with the burden of providing for those kids and raising those kids and dealing with them through the rebellious years and all the stuff. There's a burden that comes with every blessing. It's easy to look out at somebody else's blessing and not see their burden. We just see the blessing, right? It's easy to look at somebody and look at their job and think, man, they've got a great job. They make a ton of money. I wish I, wish I had that job. I wish I made that kind of money. <laughs> Most of you don't. 
Because I'll tell you what comes with that job and with that money, pressure. Unbelievable amounts of pressure and long, long grinding hours, right? So it's easy to see somebody's blessing and think, oh man, if I just had that. But every blessing comes with a burden. And when we compare, we forget the burden. We just see the blessing. The other thing that we do is we forget our own blessings and we just see our own burdens, right? We feel the weight of the blessing. Some of you right now, you know, you got kids at home and and uh, you sort of love them. <laughs> but you walk by, man, and their room looks like a nuclear bomb went off. I mean, Stranger Things is not just a show on Netflix. It's what's growing under a teenager's bed in their room. Stranger Things living in that room. It drives you crazy. I got a 16-year-old man. That kid, no matter how many, I've told him 5,000 times, do the dishes, wash the dishes, clean up the dishes, put the dishes up, put the dishes in the dishwasher, get the dishes out of the sink, stop stacking the dishes. You ever gonna clean the dishes? You just leave all this stuff out of there. Clean the dishes, do the dishes. Every, I just walked past him. I just did it again. This I'm like, ah! Dude! You know what I told him before I left for church? Because I could already feel he was going to, because he loves to cook his little stuff. And then have, have the butler come along, me, and clean all the dishes from the stuff. I'm like, I don't care if you eat. I just care if I have to clean. So before I left, I said, you're going to do all the dishes, right? He goes, yeah. It's easy to look at our own lives and see the burden, right? You go to work, work. I talk to you guys, I work. You deal with people that can be difficult, you're in high pressure environments, you got a lot of things coming at you, it could be challenging, it could be frustrating, right? It's easy to be in that situation and lose perspective. All you see is the burden. Some of you are thinking, man, I just wish I got so and such, such and such day off. I just wish, you know, I was in this kind of career. You know, I just wish, people be like, oh, I just wish I was a school teacher. I get the whole summer off. Come on, people. Come on, school teachers. It ain't that easy. There's a burden with the blessing, right? That's every other day of the year and beyond. And I think the challenge in our own life is to forget the blessings we have because we're comparing to other people and we're looking at our blessings and we just see the burden. Someday you're gonna walk past that teenager's room and it'll be clean, because it'll be empty, right? So it may be hard now, but at least they're home. Someday my son is not gonna make the kitchen a mess and I'm gonna be lonely for it and I'm gonna wish he was back making tortellini. <laughs> Still makes it all the time. It's his thing. You know, you lose your job. All of a sudden, you look out and you look back and you realize maybe that job wasn't so bad. Grateful I had a job. <laughs> Wish I had a job now. Have you ever thought of this? There are people right now who are praying for the blessing that you have that you only see as a burden. There are people right now who are praying for the blessing you have that you only see as a burden. And so maybe we need to get some perspective in our lives, right? And just step back and say, God, thank you. 
Thank you for what you've given me. So here's my challenge to you. Starting tonight, you can start a new habit that can lead to great wealth in your life. And that habit is this. Before you go to bed, first thing when you get up in the morning, end your day and begin your day giving thanks to God for the blessings he's given you. Don't You focus on the blessings. It'll put your burdens in perspective. You remember what God has done, the health he has given you, the family he has given you, the joy he has brought into your life, the salvation that you have been given, the relationship with God that you have. You focus on those blessings. And yeah, there's some other things you'd love to change, but you focus on that. It will put your burdens in to perspective, and it'll help you learn contentment. You don't just need a little bit more. You need a whole lot more of God, and so do I. Here's another myth that we have in our lives. Um, it's this, that it'll all work out somehow, <laughs> especially when it comes to money. People think, man, it's all gonna work out. It's all gonna work out somehow. I read one study that 25% of people believe that uh, their main hope for retirement is that they'll win the lottery before they die. And a whole other big group of people, uh, it wasn't so much that they would win the lottery, it's that they would have some relative that they don't know exists today die and leave them an inheritance, and that's how they're going to be able to retire. The problem is that relative is probably the one who's wishing that they would win the lottery. So these aren't really plans. <laughs> Pipe dreams, maybe, but not really plans. When it comes to money and stuff in our life, we often think it's all just going to kind of work out somehow. It's all just going to come together somehow. I uh, learned this last week that my daughter was doing something that really shocked me. My daughter is a freshman in college, and she's doing great. She got this scholarship that um, actually pays more of her tuition than she could ever make working a job, but it she has to do all these extracurricular things, like it's really involved. So we basically told her, like, hey, don't get a job. You couldn't get a job anyway. This is your job. Like, keep your scholarship. Do this, okay? Do all the things, and then anything you need, I'll periodically check in on your checking account, and I'll just send money to you, okay? Now, my daughter's incredibly frugal. Like, she's very cheap, uh, so I'm blessed <laughs> in, that, in that way. But she, she won't spend money, especially if it's just not her money. She won't spend it. She's very conscientious. But you know, I learned last week that she's not been tipping people. Any of you ever had a job where you, you serve people and you require, you require tips? You know what I'm saying? Come on, yeah. If you've had a job like that, then I feel you. You and I both know, like, you don't not tip people. But I learned last week my daughter's been stiffing people. She'd been like, no tip. She's like, I don't have any money. I can't tip you. She took a, she, she, listen, she'd been taking like a Uber to church, to church, to church, pulling in the church parking lot. Uber driver's like, oh, I got a Christian person now. They're going to be taking care of me. They're going to bless me. She pulls into the church parking lot, and my sweet daughter, who's never worked a job like that, who just doesn't know, right? Like, she's like, oh, I can't be tipping them. So not only is it bad for the family name, it's bad for Jesus' name. He's like driving out going, Christians, man. So we made it right this last week. It's like, oh, hey, 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 hey. First of all, it's not your money, it's my money. And secondly, like, hey, if somebody does a service for you or takes care of you, we take good care of them. That's what we do. We're generous to them. Not only as people, but because we're followers of Jesus, we're generous to them. So, hey, if you want to eat at Taco Bell, then you don't have to worry about tipping anybody. But if you're going to sit down at a restaurant, honey, then you better pony up a tip. You want to walk? You don't need to tip your Uber driver. Uber driver. 
But you ride in somebody's car that picked you up on time and dropped you off where you needed to go. Like they, that's how they live. They, they need that, those resources in their lives. Anyway, we got it all squared away because I connected her Uber account to my PayPal account so she doesn't have to worry about it coming out of her account at all so that when she goes to church, she can tip the guy. It's no good to get shortchanged, right? It's no good to feel like you got stiffed by somebody or ripped off when you did a service for them and they didn't provide anything back to you in your life. But the truth is, financially, that's what many of us do every single month. The person we're ripping off, though, is not necessarily somebody else. The person we're ripping off is ourselves. You ever thought about this? Like you work all week long, all month long, you take the money that comes in and then the money goes out. It goes to your bills, your credit cards, your school loans. It goes to all the things that you gotta pay, your rent, all the things. And then at the end, if you don't save any money for your future, if you don't put anything back for yourself, you know who gets stiffed? You do. You're robbing yourself. And so I wanna challenge you today to get a plan when it comes to finances. Listen, contentment isn't about purchases, it's about practices. The practice of gratitude and a game plan for your financial life. It's not just gonna work out somehow. Gotta get a plan. And a plan could be simple, but a plan will make a difference in your life. In fact, we wanna help you get a plan. Financial Peace University is a course that we're offering across our locations. It's an incredible resource for people to help you deal with debt, to help you get a budget or a spending plan, to help you get into the pragmatics of how you can move forward in your financial situation, to figure out if you're simply in over your head because you're, um, you know, the money coming in isn't enough to cover what needs to go out, which probably means you need to sell some stuff and reorientate your life. And Financial Peace University, it won't be like... Um, it won't be like Girl Scout cookies. It's more like getting throw punched. But it will change your life if you'll let it happen. It'll change your life. It changed my life. I didn't like Dave Ramsey for a long time. I love him now, but at the time, I kind of hated him. You know what I mean? But I did what he said, and it was based in biblical principles, and it changed my life, and it ultimately led to freedom. And so you can sign up at any of our locations. You can download our app. In fact, if you're a part of the Central Family, I want to encourage you to have our app and uh, download it. You can get that. You can sign up right there on the app. It costs $109, which let me tell you, it's an investment to get those materials. There's a lot of great materials you get. But what we found is that people that don't invest anything in it rarely follow through and finish it. You gotta have some skin in the game. But that investment could return to you thousands of dollars in your personal life. So you gotta get a plan. Proverbs 13, 11 says this. Wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly what? Disappears. <laughs> but wealth from hard work grows over time. I think one of the reasons wealth from get-rich-quick schemes disappears is because we never learn to manage it, and then all of a sudden you get a windfall, and because you never learned to manage it, it just leaks right out. But if you grow it over time, that means you've learned to manage it over time. So let me review for you what I talked about week one. It's a simple financial plan that Christians have used for generations to help them navigate their financial life. And that is this. Take the first 10% of what God has given you and you give that back to him. You honor him with that. You take the second 10% and you put that 
for yourself. You pay yourself. You save your resources for your future. You invest it, and then you learn to live on 80%. Now, I know people hear this, and they're already thinking, like, I can't live on 100%. How can I live on 80%? And I'm telling you, you can. You might have to sell some stuff. You might have to downsize. It might be a challenge for a while, but here's the benefit. The benefit is you begin to get margin in your life. The benefit is that pressure lessens. Pastor Sean gave a great illustration last week of how we always believe that as we raise our standard of living, it will positively impact our quality of life. But when that standard of living becomes overwhelmed with debt and the financial pressure of that, it actually starts to minimize our quality of life. And then we're just in the rat race. We're just trying to survive. But what could happen if you could begin to reverse it again and go back to a place where you're paying yourself and where you're living on 80%? Now, if that's overwhelming, just take some steps. The most important step that I took in my life when it comes to saving money is I automated it. It's as simple as that. I automated it, which means I didn't get to see it. it didn't, it's not like I'll, I'll write a check every month. Yeah, sure you will. How's that worked out for you up to now? No, but when you automate it, it's just gone. <laughs> it goes right into a retirement account or right into a long-term investment account, and I have them set up where it just drafts right out of my checking account, and you know, you can set the date on that, so I set like right at the very, 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 very beginning, gone. And then I manage what I have left. I do the same with my giving. I give first to God, I save, I automate both of them, so it's the first thing gone, and then I manage what's left in my account um, based on that kind of approach. But it's a plan, and we all need a plan. Here's the third myth, here's the third myth. Not only it'll all work out somehow, third myth is this, I can't afford to be generous. I can't afford to be generous. Uh, I remember when my daughter, um, became 16 and went on my insurance. If you haven't had this experience, get ready. It's like an outer body matrix kind of moment, man. It's just like the sticker shock on that is unbelievable. So I'm riding with my son last, two weeks ago, and I'm, he just, he turned 16 this last year. I'm like, hey buddy, you been thinking about driving? And actually I'm thinking about ching, 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 insurance for two teenagers. How am I gonna do this? How you been thinking about driving, you know, and all that? And uh, he goes, no, dad, you know, like I'm, I got enough anxiety with other stuff. I just think maybe I'm, I'm not ready. And normally I'd be like, oh man, you need to be driving. You need to kind of get out there, get that. But, I, but I'll be honest, I was like, Praise God, yes, yes. The cost of insurance is crazy. It's expensive, right? Life is filled with sticker shock. And I understand that. Everywhere you turn, there's sticker shock. And it's easy to think, I wanna be generous. I wanna give to God. I wanna help other people, but I can't afford to be generous. And I just wanna suggest to you, you can't afford to not be generous. And here's why. Money, look, generosity actually gives you what money promises you. Money promises you contentment and health and happiness and all the things. And money's a great tool, right? But generosity, all the studies show, it will improve your quality of life, it'll improve how you feel about yourself, it'll improve your actual health. There's research that shows it improves your health. Just being generous back to God. I think God created us to be generous people and we can't afford to not be generous. Look at this, 1 Timothy chapter six, beginning in verse nine. Paul writes, people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. Aren't you glad you came to church? Great, awesome. For the what? Love 
For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So money is not the root of all kinds of evil. It's the love of money that is the root of all kinds of evil. And basically what generosity does, money's neutral, money's like a tool, but generosity comes along and it's like spraying weed killer on the grass and it, you're, you're, you're basically killing all the weeds that the inappropriate love of money starts to grow up into your life. And so we release that money to God and we trust him with it. So Deuteronomy 14, 23 puts it this way. It says, the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God, what? First in your life. So when it comes to 10, 10, 80, and why this has been used by believers for generations, the idea is you take the first of what God gives you and that's what you give back to him. It teaches you to put God first in your life. You trust him with what he's blessed you with. And we have simple on-ramps around here at Central that can help you do that. I do that in my own life. Um, our staff does that. Our board does that. Our ministry partners do that. Like, we're all in, way past lip service, to serving Christ and who he is and putting God first in our lives financially. Uh, you can become a generosity rock star. Across our locations, it's a simple way. Give $20, reoccurring. It's a way to get started in your generosity. And the idea isn't that you'll stay there. The idea is that you'll grow there until you get to a place where you're actually tithing and trusting God first with all that he's given you in your life. But it's a baby step. If you can't give $20, give 10. If you can't give 10, give five. If you can't give five, give a dollar. If you can't give a dollar, give a quarter. But take a step to trust God at some level in your life with generosity, and then save, and then spend. I saw a great post on Instagram uh, by my friends uh, Brandon and Ariel Coffing, uh, who are on our staff here at Central, and it was a little post that she did of her son Liam, who's almost five. He's kind of like this, one of the Central mascots around here. Uh, we all love Liam, there's my buddy. Liam did some uh, yard work this past week, and uh, what she posted on Instagram, I thought it was great. He made uh, 81 cents for the yard work, is what she had in her pocket, 81 cents. So she, she paid the little guy, and uh, then he went in, and he's got jars set up. We used to have these same kind of jars for my kids, and parents, this is a great example for you as parents to set this up for your kids, to you know, have some basic framework to start learning how to handle money. I did this exact same thing with my kids. Uh, Liam's jars say, Jesus, <laughs> save and spend. And um, so she said, Liam, what do you want to do with your 81 cents? He says, well, I want to take two quarters and I want to put them in the Jesus bin jar. And I want to take uh, one quarter and a nickel and I want to put it in the save jar. And then I want to take one penny <laughs> and put it in the spin jar. It's good to be four, man. <laughs> it's about all your expenses you have, right? Just one penny. And I'm watching this just scroll past my Instagram story. And I love, she asked Liam, she says, well, why do you want to put two quarters in the Jesus jar? And this is what Liam understood at age four. He says, because it'll help our church grow and help people. Four years old. Four years old. Which, by the way, parents, good job. Well done. But I did that with my kids. Parents, it's a powerful tool to start teaching your kids Give, save, spend, in that order. Give, not spend, <laughs> save, give, in that order. Give, save, spend. 
push back on some of the myths, the myth that I just need a little bit more. Contentment isn't about purchases, it's about practices. What we need more of is more gratitude in our lives. Happiness is not going to come from one more purchase. Look, the secret to happiness, it isn't getting what I want, it's wanting what I already have and growing my contentment. Second myth is um, that in our lives, when it comes to our finances, that things will just work out. It'll just work out somehow. Now we need a plan. We need a clear plan. And 101080 can give you that plan. Financial Peace University can help you get a plan. And then the third myth, hey, I don't need to be generous. I can't afford to be generous. And the reality is we can't afford to not be generous. We need to trust God with what he's given us and trust him to bless the rest of it and grow it in our lives. Some of us, we are praying for more right now. We are praying for a blessing right now. We're praying for God to show up right now. But the challenge is we're not ready for the burden more will bring. And maybe God's holding back the blessing until we get ready to be able to stand under that burden and until we learn to walk in faithfulness in the little he's already provided for us. It is possible to get freedom in your life. It is possible to take steps and move towards a place of financial peace. And so I thank you for being here. Next week, I wanna encourage you to be here. Lean in as we wrap up this teaching series. But let me speak to some of you here today who maybe have never crossed the line of faith. All this talk of money and finance can obscure the most important thing in the world, which is your personal relationship with God. God loves you. Christ came and died for you so that you could grow in that relationship. And I don't think there's much path to contentment outside of that relationship. And I don't like to close out services without giving you an opportunity. If God's been moving in your heart and life, if he's been tapping you on the shoulder, will you come home, come home to him and receive him in your heart and life? He's already paid the greatest debt of all all on the cross for you. So if you'd like to be a follower of Jesus today, would all of you bow your heads and close your eyes? If you're ready to take that step, you can begin that journey by just repeating after me. Say, dear God, I thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus into the world. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again. Forgive me for my sins. Give me the gift of eternal life Help me face the challenges that I'm up against. God, I surrender my life to you. In Christ's name. And friends, with every head bowed and every eye closed, that's your prayer today, if it's your commitment. I'm gonna ask you to just slip your hand in the air. Just to acknowledge you're gonna follow him in your life. You're gonna trust him today. Just slip your hand in the air. God, I thank you for your love. I thank you for each person reaching out to you today and I pray you'll fill them with your goodness and your mercy and your joy, your forgiveness. We thank you for this opportunity and for this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's put our hands together for those who made spiritual commitments in their life today. And listen, if you made a spiritual commitment, we'd love to put some resources in your hands. After service is over, I want to encourage you to swing by our New Beginnings area across our locations and grab some materials that will help you follow Jesus. Let's put our hands together for our location pastors as they close out our experience.
Thank you, Pastor Judd. Yeah, I just have one thing for the Central family, and that is if you are ready to take a step to start getting a plan either in Financial Peace University or God put on your heart tonight that you're ready to jump in, very first thing, just start being generous. I think there's a good portion of the room that's ready. Our lobby has a team of people, our generosity rockstar team. They can help answer any questions or help you take that step. Make sure to go out there and see them. They've got a t-shirt for everyone taking that step just to mark this moment. It says rescued to be a rescuer because that's what you're doing. You're rescuing others. So make sure to stop out there, see them. Get back here next week. Pastor Judd has another incredible message for us. We'll experience God together, but between now and then, hold on to Romans 8. If God is for us, who could be against us? Keep showing up.